today, we have some very dear friends of uh, ours uh, with us uh, from Costa Rica. <clears throat> Carlos and Liz Zelaya are, are more than just friends. They're really like family to us. My wife has actually known Carlos their whole lives. Uh, they uh, were in nursery together at church uh, just 10 or 12 years ago now, right? It wasn't very, yeah, yeah it wasn't very long ago. <clears throat> yes, uh, I, it scares me to even think about the number of years. Um, I got to meet Carlos in the late 80s and actually got to walk with him when he was in Mobile going to school and I was there as a youth pastor and he worked with us and our youth team. And, uh, and now Carlos and Liz are back and uh, they're one of their, Carlos has actually got dual citizenship but uh, Liz is from Costa Rica, and we have many connections with our dear friends in Costa Rica. Uh, through the Boy with the Ball team that's there, that we're connected with, that Jamie and Kathy and Anna and the other team members launched, and then, of course, through the church that Brother Hugo Zelaya pastored. And Hugo was a dear, dear friend to our brother John. And so you're, you're seeing that there's a lot of history here. I'm talking decades. Uh, and it is so amazing to see that our parents following the Lord, brought us into following the Lord, and now our children and grandchildren are following the Lord. And so Rebecca Zelaya, their daughter, is a part of our community now. And so she lives here and moved here a few months ago, and it's just amazing and wonderful to see multiple generations following in the things of God. And so I want you to understand that when I introduce Carlos, it is a it is like just introducing an uncle to us, uh, certainly a brother, certainly someone who has walked similar ways uh, in the things of the Lord. He, I could say lots of things about him, but he doesn't want me to. In fact, he paid me money not to say those things. <clears throat> uh, he is a pastor uh, and lead elder of the church in Costa Rica, San Jose Iglesia del Pacto Nueve Esperanza. Did I say that right? Nueva. Excuse me, Nueva, Esperanza. You don't roll the R's. Esperanza. Esperanza? No, that's, no. <laughs> See, I told you. Oh, well, I just lost some money he paid me to talk about. We love Carlos and Liz. They've been here with us uh, before, and uh, I'm going to ask Carlos to come, and I'd just like for you to greet him, because the Bible says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we want to receive the prophet, the word of God that he might bring to us today. So would you greet Carlos Celaya? Put this in as close as we can. Yeah, thank you. Perfect. That way you can't run off. <laughs> thank you. Buenos dias. Traigo muchos saludos de parte de la Iglesia de Pacto Nueva Esperanza. <laughs> Close captioning included. Um, thank you, Chris. I hope that um, the time allotted for the message included your introduction because I think that was probably the best part. Of it. <laughs> Um, we do bring warm greetings from Costa Rica. Uh, we do feel a part of you. I don't know how many of you are truly aware of the connections that we have. 
not just historically, but right now. Um, many of you have traveled down to Costa Rica and blessed us with uh, so many things that you've gone to do to uh, support uh, El Niño y la Bola, uh, the boy with the ball. And you have received team members here, church members, part of, the, from, part of our community here in Atlanta. And uh, we do feel like we're at home. And so um, basically, uh, and, and, I, and I was told, no pressure, that some of them are, are joining us this morning through the, through the live feed. So that's wonderful. Um, what I would like to do this morning is just kind of give you a very um, personal uh, overview, muscle manos overview of, of some of the transitions that we've gone through in these last few months and put it into context. Uh, we're going to be reading actually out of Philippians 2. If you want to just uh, turn your Bibles on and hold for a second. Um, and basically, um, what, what has happened in Costa Rica with all of these COVID issues is a little different, has a little different taste to it than what it's had here in the U.S. Um, of course, Costa Rica is a very small and poor country. And so um, at first, the government has set some very strict parent, uh, restrictions on what we could and could not do. It was not left up to us to decide. It was really um, enforced and enforced upon all, all uh, parts of the society, all parts of the community, including churches. And so we've been restricted to what we can and we, what we cannot do. And at first, there was a big shock, obviously, uh, not just in the area of church, but in every area of life. And we felt like our personal choices were taken away from us. And being a gringo myself, that was a very big culture shock. Um, Costa Ricans are very easygoing by nature. They are not very resistant. Costa Rica has been a very peaceful country over its history. And so this, this shock is a little, they, they, they rebel, you know, very subtly. Um, Brother Charles, you know, tells the story about, yes, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside, basically. And that's kind of how Costa Ricans do things. Um, but it's led us as a church to kind of reconfigure the way we feel about church. What, we, what, is our, what is our concept and what is our mission? What is, our, what is the way we need to focus how we do church? And quote unquote. And I'll explain what that means in a minute. So we've been in a period of recalibration and refocusing on the true identity and mission of the church. And that's, that sounds like easy to say in a sentence, but when you're faced with these kinds of decisions, it goes pretty deep. And I can't, I can't take the time, because Chris told me I could only use like uh, an hour and a half today. Is that what you said, Chris? So if I'm running out of time, I will get my cues when the lights go out and everybody stands up and walks out. I'll, I'll, I'll understand it's time to quit. Um, but basically what we did was a lot of introspection and we figured out, we, we realized that we were mixed up in other issues. 
that we were missing the mark. We were very self-centered. And, um, and I think that by looking at it from a very distant point of view, uh, churches and the church in general may be uh, suffering from the same malady. Um, to quote that on uh, that old hymn, we had lost that loving feeling. <laughs> Um, you know, Jesus tells the church in Ephesus that you'd lost your first love. And some of the things that we had been built upon, Chris talked about our common history. Some of those things had been deviated and lost along the way in some, some not rebellious way. But simply our eyes got it turned into a different direction. And so... Just like Jesus called Ephesus to return to their first love, that's the stage we're in right now. We are returning to the basics. Um, we're, so right now the church is in a rebuilding process, which is very difficult because normality has not come back to Costa Rica. Quite the opposite. We, COVID has gone up and down, up and down, and as that curve goes up and down, the government reacts to it accordingly. And so right now we're going through one of those high peaks, which is thankfully starting to go down. But reconfiguring or, you know, rebuilding the foundations or going back to them um, is, is something that, that we're in the process of doing. Um, one of those, one particular key element of those foundational issues is covenant relationships. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because um, I think that um, the relationships that are strong and fruitful are purposeful and require a different mindset for them to be successful. And a lot of times we had been in automatic mode, autopilot, if you will. And um, we, we were hiding, even hiding in our own church meetings. And uh, we were substituting true covenant relationships with just coming to church and seeing each other and saying hello to each other. And we do that very well. We like to see each other. We haven't been able to do that very often. But um, our feeling was we don't want to go back to where we were. This is a good moment to restart. And so um, we, we felt like we had been fighting the wrong battle. And as a matter of fact, we were raising a generation that was not familiar with the battle. It's like what it says in Judges, you know, that God raised up a generation that did not know battle. And so he left some things in the way for them to deal with so they would learn how to fight. So they would learn to value how God was going to have their back, how they were going to depend on the Lord, and not everything was going to be given to them, that the manna wasn't going to continue to fall from heaven from that point on, that they were going to have to take their sword and they were going to have to learn how to use it. And then we're going to have to learn how to fight together and how to be obedient in it. This is not in my notes, so I better be careful. But the, 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 the deal is here is that they, they go up and they had to actually do something. 
They had to be purposeful. They had to listen to the voice of the Lord and they had to take on their gear, their battle gear. They had to be obedient and follow the leaders that God had set up for them, not in an impositivo. How do you say that? My translators. I know that it's imposed upon you. The, the dictator, dictatorial type of leadership was not it. Joshua was not that kind of a man. He listened to the voice of the Lord and he shared that vision with his people. And the ones that didn't obey paid a dear price for it. They did not enter into the blessings of the Lord. But that's not all they, they didn't you know, get to enjoy. They were killed. Their life was taken from them. And I dare say that that's the point where we are as a church. That if we don't listen to the Lord and obey, the life is going to be drawn out and we are going to perish. Okay? So, there has been a generation that's raised up that doesn't know how to do covenant relationships. And so, we are kind of, sort of, Starting from scratch, but not really. I mean, we do have a history. We do have a legacy. Some of us, some of the older generation, has lived through these things. But along the way, our newer generations are kind of asking all kinds of questions. They've been asking questions for a long time, actually. And we had been hard of hearing. But now the Lord has just kind of said, okay, it's time. And so we're doing our best to be obedient. So here we go. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read the first few verses and I'm going to stop and comment a little bit. I forgot what time I started, Chris. I'm sorry. It just, just, just tell me when it's, give me a sign or something. Um, and I forgot what version I'm reading from. We didn't coordinate. It's not on the screen. So I'm, I'm just going to read whatever version I, I found here. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one in spirit, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you um, to the interests of the others. Um, so, Paul, if Philippians, I call Philippians the happy book. Um, he, he's talking about joy a lot, and he's, you know, you, you know the story. And it's funny because the, the beginnings of this story was not a happy one, but how Paul goes in and the, the, the underlying current of joy being a, a centerpiece of this book, of this, of this letter to the Philippians, is amazing to me. And so if we can understand that context... It'll bring it into focus a little bit here. He's saying to us that when we, we individually and collectively are united with Christ, it brings encouragement. It brings hope. We have a different perspective of our, of our present and of our future when we are united with Christ. That's a conditional thing. And he says it that way. 
if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So that's point number one out of many. Um, And he says, if any comfort from his love. His love brings us comfort and it, and, and it puts us in a different in a, in a different setting, emotionally and spiritually. If we don't understand God's love, God's love, the way He says, you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole either. I've seen so many T-shirts on this trip. It's amazing. They all talk about love. But there is comfort in his love. And then there is a common sharing. There is fellowship in the spirit. Those things are important. They are essential. We cannot skip them. Our personal relationship with the Lord is the foundation of everything else. However, in our reality in Costa Rica, in mine personally, I confess to you, that a lot of times we stop right there and we focus all of our energy on our personal relationship with the Lord, which is essential and it's important. And it, I mean, you can't skip it. But it goes beyond that. If you, if you see that, it's the foundation on which we stand. And we can do two things. What I just said is stop short and just be me and the Lord, me and the Lord, me and the Lord. Or try to substitute that relationship with other things and other relationships. We can even try to do covenant relationships without having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we, what we're finding out is, uh-uh, we can't do that. We cannot skip this. We can't even continue on to do other things to build relationships until we invite the Holy Spirit and his, his power and his uh, leading us and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit into our lives. So that's, you know, it, and, and what he says also is that there's tenderness and compassion. Tenderness and compassion. You know, a lot of times I read over these words and they don't sink in, but tenderness and compassion makes us soft. I'm not a soft guy. Usually my, my reactions are harsh. My reactions are violent. Maybe not on the outside, but on the inside. I'm judgmental. And I think the church in general, not this church, But the church in general, even in Costa Rica, they have been harsh to each other. And if we are harsh with each other, how can we be tender and compassionate with those outside? No wonder we're ineffective. No wonder we're fighting the wrong battle. Oof, I'm sorry, I don't want to get emotional. Um, the church needs to, a hunger and thirst for the manifest presence of God. And that's what we're praying for. And we need to stop idolizing other pursuits. And we've done that. It says, um, 
common sharing of the Spirit. He wants to have fellowship with us. That's the desire of God. It's his initiative. It's not ours. He produces in us that desire. We need to be open for that. And a lot of times we say it with our mouth, but I'm just wondering how it is with our hearts. Building and growing into covenant relationships is a spiritual exercise with very practical applications. And we've learned this from our, from our parents and from our grandparents. My dad is 85 years old. Um, he is doing well. He sends his greetings. Mom is a lot younger. She's 75, and uh, she's doing well. Um, and they, they both, they, they, they know many of you, and they send their love. Um, and we have enjoyed this new season. Every once in a while, we'll get together, and we'll start talking. And, and I was sharing with somebody that my dad and my, my mom and dad are going into this new, refreshing spiritual of kind of renewal time. You know, there's not the pressure of being the pastor, of resolving all the problems and all these kind of things. And, and their fellowship with the Lord has been really rich. And when we sit down and talk about those things, you know, it's very encouraging to us. And we've learned a lot along this process. Um, and this is, I know you may be thinking, hey, didn't you grow up in that same household? Yes, but still. It's special. Don't judge. Um, the, there, there, is, there is an intentionality of covenant. It's not accidental. You can't just put covenant on your sign outside on the church. We don't have a sign, but our, our name is covenant too. And um, for so many years, it has really, truly, it has not truly reflected the name of the church and the foundations that we've built. So covenant relationships are purposeful, and they're a spiritual exercise. It comes from fellowship with the Holy Spirit, but it's not this ethereal floating on, on clouds kind of spiritual. It has very practical applications. It's being there for each other in so many different ways, and um, and we're we're going back to we're going back to the basics. You, um, one of the key elements also that we've seen here is that putting down our will and our interest and opinions. I'll say that again. Putting down our will, our interests, and our opinions. In Spanish, we have a. A, a saying that opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. <laughs> it requires humility to put those things down. And we cannot do that without the revelation of who God is and an understanding of the true nature and purpose of his love. That's what we're talking about. God reveals himself to us. And if we are humble enough to put take the log out of our own eyes and have a perspective of what God is showing us, then he's going to show us his love. He's not going to show us judgment. He's, not going, to sh he's going to show us truth. And this is amazing. We're going to talk about Jesus. He's, he, he, Paul jumps right into it and he says, 
and your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature or form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to uh, his own used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature or form of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, Paul just explodes in worship here. No wonder it's a happy book. You, you know, um, I, I have issues with this passage, though. You know, it says, be like Jesus, who started way up here. I, wait a minute, I'm not up here. Jesus starts way up there in a position that's above everything else. And he works his way down in humility to do the will of the Father. But the truth is, is that Jesus is showing us that success is not in positioning. And I think that church strategies and even us, particularly in our, perhaps our work we try to position ourselves in key ways. And Jesus wasn't about positions. The influence and effectiveness of the church is not on how we position ourselves. It is in how we humble ourselves and obey. Because all of this stuff is counterintuitive and it's countercultural. And we've, we've heard this a long time ago. I mean, we, Paul has been telling us this for, I mean, the, the Lord's been telling us this for 2,000 years. It's been countercultural from the beginning. This is nothing new. Being a Christian and following Jesus, it, it being against the culture is not anything new. All, our culture tends to Push away the things of God. Why, why are we so surprised about that sometimes? I'm going to give you something for free here. It's not in my notes. The way we have been working in Costa Rica, or at least trying to, to share with, with the congregation, is that in order for us to make an impact on our society, on our culture, on our community, it's not in a confrontational way. We are not bowing down to the untruths and to the things that the enemy pushes into the culture. We are doing two things simultaneously. We are, we are guarding against the lies that seep into the church. 
that are, you know, that seep into the church through the culture. Our mindsets a lot of times copy the patterns of the world. And we have to be very, very careful because it sounds really, really good. It sounds really legit. Let's use phrases from our kids in school. But the truth is spelled out pretty clearly to us. But how do we face the untruths of the enemy in the culture and still love them and still try to impart the love and hope that Jesus offers for a lost generation? What we're finding out is that it, it cannot it's not a confrontational issue with people. I know you've been talking about Ephesians. And it, in, in the latter part of the book, it talks about the weapons and the warfare and all those things that God has provided for us. And he says right there in black and white, unless you have a different color text in your Bible, but it says there, that it's not against flesh and blood. Our warfare goes somewhere else into a different realm. And that's why we are talking about spiritual foundations, even in our personal relationships. And Paul, in the context of everything that he has discussed about the definition of the church and about being the body of Christ and about being infused with a purpose, a purpose even a personal um, capacity to serve in different ways. The body of Christ has many different, um, you have different abilities that are put into practice in a community, in a communal sense. These are all spiritual things and these battles, the way it's more effective is with these spiritual weapons that he has provided for us. It's not separate from the rest of the things that he's been explaining is what I meant to say. So, when, when we talk about the church's influence and effectiveness, we can't talk about positioning and arguments. We had the same thing in Costa Rica. I, I, I hesitate to go into this topic. I just want to tell you that there's a lot of similarities. Politically speaking, you know, the, the elections that you had, these last elections, we had similar issues back then. But let me tell you something. The kingdom of God is not blue and it's not red. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't have a color. It's God's kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And then in Costa Rica, there are political parties and there are all kinds of weird things going on and there's open resistance to the gospel. And people who proclaim themselves to be Christian, they're ridiculed and, and so on and so forth. And so it's not about positioning. It's about loving people. But we can't love people unless we understand God's love. We practice it with ourselves and building 
relationship. So let me finish with the last part of what I was going to intend to read to you today. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, <laughs> ouch, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. How many times have we read this? Chris was saying, you know, Donna and I were raised in church. I mean, it was, Brother Charles married my parents. You forgot that. I didn't tell you that detail. But it, Brother Charles Simpson married my parents way back then. And it says we are to be working out our salvation. What that means for those that don't really understand this is that we're not working towards our salvation. It means that once we are saved, we are working in our salvation and in, in producing those things that God has rescued us out of. Salvation is not a permission to continue in the same path. Quite the opposite. It's a doorway into a different path. And so that's what we're working out. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. What? So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. He's talking about relationships among brothers and sisters here. Among church people. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is amazing. You know, if we're, if we're going to be ambassadors of God's kingdom in a warped and crooked generation, we need to change how we act and interact and speak. That's not easy. That's not easy for me. Like I said, I have strong opinions. I have strong feelings about stuff. When I see stuff out there and I see stuff inside the church, I react. I'm not very graceful. That's not my natural reaction. I don't know about you, but, you know, maybe I shouldn't be pastor or something. <laughs> we need to change how we act interact and speak are you a complainer are you an arguer do you always need to be right is your speech not seasoned with God's grace for people our mindset needs to be that of our Lord's of sacrifice and service without compromising the truth that's not what we're talking about don't get me wrong we're not selling the truth we're not selling out 
on, on it is what I meant to say. Sorry. The resulting unity among us will bring us joy. Isn't that amazing? And it'll make us effective in our mission. We start with the body of Christ and we replicate it outside. We can't do it otherwise. It's not inward, but we have to understand that we're working together. We're the body of Christ. We all have something to contribute. We all have something that God has given us to do in the mission of the kingdom of God. And we need each other because we're not lone rangers. We cannot do it on our own. And it's about God's love. It's all about God's love. Let us not run in vain. Let our joy be complete and let us shine like stars. Amen.